Thanks, Natalie. And Southwest family, it's great to be with you. Again, my name is Gabe Garcia, church planner in Oakland and ministry partner with the Southwest family. It's a joy and a privilege to to be with you this weekend. And and before I get started, I I really do just want to thank Pastor Ricky and the whole Southwest staff and family. Uh, This last year, planning a church in the middle of a pandemic, it's been challenging. But to know that we've got a family in the desert that's standing with us and behind us, it makes all the difference in the world. So we just want to thank you. We really do appreciate it. Now, before we started our church planning journey, and even before Southwest kind of jumped on board to partner with us, none of us knew that our church planning story would include this once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. I mean, uh, you need to know this. Church planning is hard. Church planning in California is is even harder. Church planning in the Bay Area and, and Oakland, church planning during a pandemic has almost felt impossible. But this is what we're seeing and sensing, that God has not stopped because of this virus. Like God's not sheltered in place. He's still moving. He's still working. He's still chasing people down. And we've been encouraged by that. We're starting to see more people kind of join together on our team, kind of journey with us as we seek to find joy in Jesus. We're finding creative ways, especially during a pandemic, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. And we're really looking forward to the fall when we officially launch as a church. But this is what I wanna wanna do today during our time together. I wanna talk about one of the lessons that God has been teaching me during this last year. Like I could do a whole sermon series on the lessons that God's been teaching me, but here's just one of those lessons. And it's really a lesson about friendship. Think about how simple that is. But I needed to learn that lesson. God, through this last year, has been teaching me what it looks like to be a friend to those who seem to be far from God. What it looks like for me to move towards and pursue those who seem to be far from God. And I have a confession to make, Southwest. For the last 17 years, Uh, Right after I graduated from college, for the last 17 years, I've worked at big churches like Southwest Church, and I'm thankful for that. They've been amazing and beautiful experiences and opportunities. I love the church. I love what God is doing in and through the church. Um, I, I open the Bible, and I see Jesus. I see how much he loves the church, and I want my love for the church to match the love of Jesus. But But here's the confession. I use the church like a fortress to keep me from the brokenness outside its walls. I use the church like a fortress to protect me from the brokenness outside its walls. And I could do all this while putting on this spiritual veneer of being someone who's pretty special and pretty godly because I work within the church. But this is just really like a sly and undercover way. I mean, this is just sneaky sin. It was a sly and undercover way for me to abdicate my responsibilities to run after those that God is running after. Because this is what I see. When I open the Bible and I look at the life of Jesus, I see somebody who seems to delight in moving towards sinners and sufferers. And you need to hear that. We we open the Bible, we look at the life of Jesus, And we see somebody who seems to find so much joy in moving towards sinners and sufferers. And that's good news for me. 
a sinner and sufferer. That's good news for, for you. That's good news for everyone that Jesus is a friend to sinners. Well, that leads us to our text. We're going to be looking uh, at Luke chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up, you can turn them on, or you can just follow along with me. We'll be in the gospel according to Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. Listen to this text. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and he begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but to go show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Verse 15, but now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Southwest, here's the main point that we're gonna kind of be hovering around during our time together. Jesus brings healing to our pain and sends us in his love. Let me just say that again. Jesus brings healing to our pain and then he sends us in his love. Now I wanna give us a vision kind of for where we're going today. We just have two simple kind of main headings. Uh, Jesus heals and then Jesus sends. And then we're gonna conclude our time with some just very simple, very practical pastoral exhortations. So let's look at that first heading, Jesus heals. We look at this text and we meet a man who has leprosy. Now, biblically, this was a term that was used for a number of different skin diseases. But I want you to remember who's writing our text. Who's the author of this gospel? It's the gospel according to Luke. Now, Luke was not only a follower of Jesus, Luke was also a physician. And this physician makes an important note that this man was full of leprosy. Leprosy had taken root. Leprosy had taken over. Now, one of the implications of having a skin disease like leprosy is that you were branded with this label of being unclean. And unclean people had to be removed from the kind of the general public and live outside the city. Think about how humiliating that would have been. Think about how isolating that would have been. Think about how lonely that would have been. Now, if you were unclean, you were supposed to keep yourself from the clean community. But in our text, we meet this man who falls at the face of Jesus, falls at the feet of Jesus. He moves towards Jesus. He runs towards Jesus in this heart of desperation, begging God for healing. Like, when was the last time you begged God for anything? I don't know what it is about us. Maybe it's our perceived intellect, our perceived wisdom, our perceived resourcefulness. Like, the last thing we want to do is be seen as beggars. Like, we've got this. We can figure this out on our own. But I wonder if there's something we can actually learn from this leper. 
I have three amazing kids that I, I have the joy and privilege of parenting. So there's a lot of begging in my home. Now, the begging usually consists of two different categories. There's vegetable begging and there's dessert begging. Vegetable begging is like, please, mom and dad, I don't want to eat my vegetables. Now, dessert begging is like, mom, dad, I please, I want more. I want more dessert. I have smart kids, but they can't seem to make the connection that if you don't eat your vegetables, you're not going to get dessert. And as a parent slash like sociologist, what I've come to realize is that between the ages of three and four, you're like at the height of your begging game. You're like the LeBron James of begging. And I have a four-year-old in my home. And when my little four-year-old doesn't get what he wants, he falls to the ground and starts flopping like a fish out of water. It's sad and amazing all at the same time. Now, I hope you're not falling on the ground, flopping like a fish out of water over the dessert. But I wonder if there's something in Luke chapter 5, as we look at this leper, I wonder if there's something we can learn. Because this is what I want you to hear about the heart of God. God loves when his children move towards him in this posture of, of desperation. God loves when his children move towards him in this heart of desperation. And I wonder if our biggest breakthrough is on the other side of our begging. Come on. I wonder if our biggest breakthrough is on the other side of our begging. Like what would happen if a couple thousand people from this valley started begging God that he would free them from the strongholds that keep them bound in sin? begging and pleading God that by God's grace and mercy and strength, we would be able to run from sin and pursue Jesus, pursue holiness? Or or what would happen if a couple thousand people from this valley started praying for that one person, that one person you're trying to be a friend to, that one person you're wanting God to save? What would happen if a couple thousand people from this valley started praying for a couple thousand souls? I want you to hear this. God, he he loves it when we move towards him in this heart of desperation. And, and, And our biggest breakthrough can be on the other side of our begging. Again, we're looking at our text. We see that Jesus, um, he, he, he enjoys it when we, when we move towards him, but we also see that Jesus moves towards us. Again, Jesus is moving towards the one who has been isolated and alone, the one who's been labeled unclean. Now, if you're a clean person and you, you come into contact with an unclean person, like you run the other direction. Because if you get too close and, and, and touch the unclean person, this clean person is then declared unclean. But what does Jesus do? Jesus doesn't run the other direction. He moves towards the sinner and sufferer. He touches this leper. Again, think about how powerful that touch would have been to a man who's been isolated and alone, lost value and dignity to his life. Jesus touches him. Jesus brings healing to our pain. I don't care who you are. I don't care um, what others have labeled you. I don't care how unclean you may think you are. There's nothing about your life 
that falls outside the healing power of Jesus. There's nothing about your life, no matter what you've, you've done, there's nothing about your life that falls outside the healing power of Jesus. And because of this, because Jesus associated with lepers and prostitutes and tax collectors, Jesus received this diminished reputation of being a friend to sinners. And thank God he did. Amen, Southwest. And I wonder if that's the best kind of reputation we could build as well. That because of the people we associated with, the only thing they could do at the country club, the only thing they could do at the PTA is gossip about us. I wonder if that's the best kind of reputation that we could build as we associate with ourselves those who seem to be far from God, that we would love them the way Jesus has loved the sinner and suffer inside of us. Heading number one, Jesus heals. We look to our next heading, Jesus sends. Jesus heals this leper, and immediately after healing this leper, he sends this leper. Now, where does he send the leper? He sends the leper to the priest, the religious leader of God's people. Now, it was the priest who was meant to inspect the unclean person, and if he was clean, restore him back to religious and social fellowship. Just think about how powerful that would have been for the priest to have to affirm and authenticate the, the, the divine love and divine power of Jesus. And just think if the priest would have got a glimpse of who Jesus really was Surely he will lead others to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. But I want to bring us back to our main point. Jesus heals us in our pain, and he sends us in his love. If you read the New Testament, there's this whole theology of sentness. Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12. Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 72. Here in Luke chapter 5, he, he heals the leper. He sends the leper. In John 17, Jesus is praying, as you have sent me, Father, so I want to send my disciples. Matthew 28, he, he, he sends his disciples. He sends us to go make disciples of all nations. All throughout the New Testament, there's this idea of being sent. We too, if we have received the healing hand and healing touch of Jesus, we have been sent. Now, where have you been sent? Like maybe you're thinking like, I've not been sent to go start a church in Oakland. That's for you, Gabe. Or I'm not this risk-taking kind of, you know, all in for the gospel. Send me to the tribes of Papua New Guinea. That's not me. No, it's not you. Like, I've been sent to Oakland, but you've been sent right where you are. In this valley, in this community, your neighbors, your social network, that's where God has sent you. And if I, if I'm faithful in Oakland and you're faithful right where God has sent you, if you're faithful and sent here, surely more and more people are going to be attracted to the love, the grace, and the mercy that's in Jesus. Now, what does it look to live as like this everyday missionary? What, is it, what does it look like to live sent? Well, it's interesting. If you look at your Bible, if you look at the text, you see in verse 14, that Jesus sends the leper 
as proof, as proof of the healing hand, the infinite love, the, the, the divine kind of power of Jesus. And I want you to know that you've been sent to be the living proof of a loving God. That's all we have to do. We have to be the living proof of a loving God, the living proof that God has reached down into our hearts and given us new life. Living proof of a loving God. The entirety of our lives is meant to point back to the grace, the mercy, and the love of Jesus to make us new and to give us new life. Uh, I've made a friend in Oakland, which I'm pretty proud of. You know, I, I'm, I'm a shy guy. Sometimes can be a little awkward. And during a pandemic, there's just, there's been times and seasons where it's felt like, Lord, what do I do? And I would spend my days just kind of walking around my community and praying. As I'm walking around my community and praying, oftentimes I would see people and I would kind of push myself out of my comfort zone, push myself through the awkwardness and say hi. One day I met Chris. Chris is about 32 years old. And I, I said, hi to Chris. And then another day I saw Chris again and said, what's up, Chris? And then another time I saw Chris again and we stopped and we chatted. I learned that he had two kids. I have three kids. We exchanged numbers. And probably for the last seven or eight months, every week we'll get together, let the kids run around outside. And Chris and I have built this like real friendship. Uh, just last week, Chris came out to one of uh, the outreaches we've been doing in Oakland, really trying to meet just really simple and practical needs for people that are hurting. We were feeding families right before Easter, providing meals and gift bags for kids. And Chris brought his kids out to serve with us. And at the end of our time, Chris pulled me aside and he said, Gabe, you're really challenging me. You're pushing me kind of out of my comfort zone. And this is exactly where I want my kids to be. Now, God's not done writing Chris's story, but I'm sensing that there is something about my life, my wife's life, my kid's life that Chris is being attracted to. It's not us, but it's, it's the God who's worked in us and through us. It's the God who has brought transformation to our lives. I'm praying and begging God that he will save and bring Chris to himself. And until then, I want to keep living as the living proof of a loving God. I wonder how God is calling you to be the living proof of a loving God. And I think it's, it's just do the simple things. I think it's doing thousands and thousands of ordinary acts over a long period of time, allowing kind of just your faithful presence to shine through. Thousands and thousands of ordinary acts over a long period of time allowing that light to shine through. It's, it's writing an encouraging note to somebody. It's making a meal for somebody. It's, it's helping somebody with a, a yard project. It's refusing to gossip when everybody else is, is gossiping. It's doing simple, everyday things over a long period of time and allowing your life to shine brightly. And as we allow our lives to shine brightly, we're just going to trust that the Spirit of God is going to use that light to attract others to the true light that's in Jesus. Jesus brings healing to our pain, and he sends us in his love. He sends us to make Jesus famous wherever he has you. 
Southwest, it's been so good to be with you today. I want to wrap up by just giving you a couple of those um, pastoral exhortations. They're really simple. Um, They're all going to fall under this heading, you've been sent to bless. And we're going to use bless as an acronym. Now, I've picked this up from a from another pastor, but I just think it's it's simple, it's practical. And what I want it to do, hopefully, is to help um, make missional living just kind of uh, part of our everyday life. That it's not some big and grand thing that we have to do. You don't have to go to Papua New Guinea. You don't have to go to Oakland doing simple, everyday, ordinary acts over a long period of time. So let's work through this acronym. Uh, the first letter, B, begin with prayer. Let's not... Um, underestimate the power of prayer. God is sovereign, but he works through our faithfulness. And one of the ways he calls us to be faithful is to simply pray. We see in Luke chapter five, this leper begging God. Who will you beg God for? I'm begging God for Chris. Who are you going to beg God for? Maybe our biggest breakthrough is on the other side of our begging. Really practically, one of the things I've done while in Oakland is uh, on my phone, I'll have a little note and every person that I meet, I'll write their name down. Now, since being in Oakland, we have a couple hundred uh, names on that list and I'll just start praying for those people. And as I look back over the course of the year and I look over that list, um, there's people on that list that were just once contacts, just once awkward introductions, but now they're friends. And now we're praying that friends become part of our faith family. So make a little list, meet somebody at the grocery store, meet somebody on the soccer field, write their name down, begin with prayer. The next letter is L, listen to their stories. I think sometimes in our missional awkwardness, like we've memorized this gospel presentation and we just want to download this gospel truth into their lives. But that's not how real friends work. Real friends ask good questions. Real friends listen, listen to their hopes their dreams, and their fears. And you'll see that your listening builds trust and your listening builds better bridges to the gospel. Listen. The next letter is E, eat. None of us have a problem with eating. So let's use our table as an opportunity again to deepen relationships. And don't just invite the same people to the table, people who look like you, talk like you, and think like you. Allow your table to be a place of diversity, ethnic diversity, generational diversity, political diversity. And again, allow your table to be a gift and a pathway to better friendships. S, let's serve. Service should be one of the clearest markers of what it means to follow Jesus. If we're going to follow in his footsteps, he humbled himself and washed the disciples' feet. He humbled himself, and for the joy set before him, he went to the cross. Let's look for simple, everyday opportunities to serve others and see our service as a pathway to gospel truth. And the last one, the last S, is story. Story is where you integrate your story with the story of the gospel. It's where you testify to the hope you have in Jesus It's where you tell the story of where you were and where God has brought you. It's where you explain in some detail what Jesus actually accomplished on the cross and what it means that he is risen from the dead. Southwest Church, you here in this valley and me, my family, and our little church in Oakland, we've been sent to bless. 
but we will never um, live out our sentness until we truly understand that Jesus has been sent to bless us. When I open the Bible and, and I read Luke chapter five, this has been my biggest prayer for our time together, that we would see ourselves in the leper, that we are the ones that have been branded unclean, that we are the ones that are isolated and alone, longing for true fellowship and communion with God. And this is what Jesus has done. He's cleansed us of our sins and he's brought us near to God. And having been brought near to God, Southwest, I pray that it's our joy, it's our privilege to now live sent, to be the living proof of a loving God. Southwest has been great to be with you. May you be blessed this weekend.